Hey gang, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is now funded by Patreon. Join to access our blog and unlock special bonuses like essays, reviews, show notes, and other exclusive material. It's brand new and you can be a part of shaping the material we produce. If we reach $50 a month, we'll be able to start buying vintage Scooby-Doo novels to review, in addition to our regular episodes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Spencer Graham, Matthew Bang, Ashley Martinez, Gabriel Pesek, Sean Mokels, Toge, and Blake Sawyer for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching Dark Knight of the Hunters. have not watched season two more than once. I had a vague remembrance of everything leading up to this point, mm-hmm. And I feel like everything after this point. But this? Did this air on Netflix when it was on Netflix and we were watching it? Because nothing. I think it did. Like, ordinarily, I would suggest that perhaps you took a nap while this episode was playing. But I feel like you wouldn't have done that for, like, the fourth to last episode of Mystery Incorporated. I also don't nap during things that I've never seen before and are script-heavy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I agree. It's not something you would normally nap through, but mistakes happen. That sometimes we, things we don't intend on happening occur, and, and they are life-changing events. Do you remember this episode? Not at all. I think I napped through it. Well, there you go, folks. We napped through this <laughs> on our original run through this season. It's one of those very strange episodes that are both essential and non-essential. Like, it's going into the lore, it's going into the roots of the lore, but at the same time... If you didn't have it there, I don't think everything would fall apart. It's like a bonus episode. I would argue it doesn't go into the lore at all. The last episode went into the lore, and then this episode has them just tracking the lore down to physically hold in their hands. But if you skip this episode and just go straight to Gates of Gloom, you're going to get all that information anyways. Oh, they got the Heart of the Jaguar. Excellent. It's like in Lost. I want to say, like, the second last episode or something like that is Ab Abturno, which takes place literally during the time of the Roman Empire. <laughs> and so it doesn't really touch at all on what's going on current day. It's just, it's just mm, a little, a little amuse-bouche before you get into the finale. And that's what this felt like here. We're just going to go see... The original Hunters of Mysteries Pyramid, fuck around a little, 
spend a good amount of time with Velma's mom, and then we're gonna finale it up. And it, it's the first episode in the longest time we're under location. I've had to write something other than Crystal Cove. This episode takes place in the Yucatan Peninsula. You've been writing down Crystal Cove every time? Most times, time? <laughs> yes. As if you couldn't just remember it as we talked? I just have the category there, so I feel like it must be filled. Oh, well, what, what did you think at first glance for this one, Amelia? I literally told you I do not remember this episode. Oh, so yeah, that, it was just the shock of... Cause shock? Of, the shock that you didn't know. Like, what is this? No, this is there was none me. of that. Well, then did you, did you react to what you were... Because I assume you remember it now. It's going to be really hard to talk about it if you still don't remember this episode. I don't remember it. It's a, It hits a certain nerve in my brain where I had a stroke where as soon as I watch this episode, I forget about it. Dang. Well, maybe we shouldn't record a podcast. Maybe we should go get some medical help. I'm fine besides. All right. I literally pinpointed the one thing that this stroke did. Well, you're not a doctor either, <laughs> Amelia. You don't know if there are any side effects you're unaware of. What if the next time you see... What if... What if... When you see the finale, your head just explodes. Yeah, I know. That would be the best thing possible, because yeah. then you get to stop watching Scooby-Doo at Mystery Incorporated. Yeah. And you don't have to continue. And I'm just dead. Huzzah! And here, Good news, everyone! Here I am, covered in viscera. That's not my problem, I'm dead. I'm gonna have to edit this thing. It's not my problem, I'm dead. Would you like to give us a premise for this episode? The gang, accompanied by Velma's mother, goes to the Yucatan in search of the heart of the jaguar, but are attacked by an ancient Mayan priestess, and presumably die, because the butt part of that sentence ends in a solid period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not, but are attacked by an ancient Mayan priestess and have to figure out what's up. <laughs> It's, you know, it's just definitive. Attacked. We'll start on, oh, let's say Daphne. Sure. Um, I have a few notes for Daphne. She does have an odd thought in this episode where she tells Shaggy and Scooby that intimidation tactics don't work on Mystery Incorporated. I'm sorry, d have you not met these two? She doesn't consider them card-carrying members. Hmm. And so is, is this when she's thinking, all right, maybe this can be your initiation. You two can maybe join the gang at this point. Yeah, after we romp through the Yucatan Peninsula's deadly, deadly jungles. You know, here we are. You finally put in enough community service hours that you are eligible. You've done the internship. Now it's time to join the gang proper. Guess what? This scared shit's not going to fly. Daphne is, they end up in Mexico, in the Yucatan, and Daphne walks past a group of old Mexican men sitting in, like, patio furniture enjoying a coffee or something, mm -hmm. and they start hollering at her in the street, and she turns around and is flattered, because that's what Daphne is when people compliment her beauty. She's flattered. No, 2012, do not paint Men catcalling 16-year-old girls in the street something that's flattering. Fuck off. 2012 was a different time. Yeah, it was a <laughs> shitty time. Apparently. 
Oh, it's a compliment. No, it's not. Shove it up your dicks. We're getting closer and closer to the present, and I feel like your patience for stuff like that is definitely waning. Like, I'm can... sorry, was I more understanding no, 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 no. when men were trash in the 70s? They weren't. No, hold yourselves to a higher standard in every fucking time period. I absolutely will, but I was also going to say, it, I was going to say we were more forgiving of when that happened in the 70s, but that didn't happen in the 70s. I genuinely don't remember a lot of classic Scooby-Doo where Daphne was sexualized like that. No, never! And now every other joke is a man showing sexual interest, but oh, lo and behold, it's not actually for Daphne, it's always for Velma. Mm -hmm. You know what? Don't sexualize Velma either. Women don't want to be hollered at in the street. What about that as a compliment? It's, it does, it makes for a strange arc in time of the of the 2000s and 2010s and and let's hope maybe we leave it there of like sexy daphne this has nothing to do with sex sexy daphne this her own sexuality as she wants to flaunt it i do not want 60 year old mexican men hollering at her on the street yes that i can agree with what about fred though hollering at her on the street no 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 Daphne hollering at him. Because in this episode... I don't know if I'd call it hollering. No. She's definitely thirsty. And here's the thing. They are dating, so it's somewhat appropriate. Because Fred spends a lot of this episode with his shirt off. It's very hot in the jungle, Billy. Ascot on, as you do. Well, he needs it to wipe spit off his face. I agree. He's constantly getting spit on in this episode. But he's so, like, self-assured and manly. And Daphne even specifically says... It's so hot. Get a warrant. <laughs> Isn't it? It's weird, though, when they're, when they're so blunt about it. She's like, mm, Fred, you're hot. <laughs> she wants a piece of that. Who can blame her? I feel like she, it's, it's new. My last note for Daphne is that she picks a lock at one point. Though I don't know if I'd call it picking. It seems to be a butter knife that she's cramming into a door. Flashes of that uh, earlier 2000s MacGyver Daphne, who I miss. She wouldn't have just used a butter knife. No, she. what would she, she have used? She would have, I think, like in the Lennon in his tomb episode where she has to bust Shaggy and Scooby out of his glass coffin, she makes a little plastic explosive out of her <laughs> makeup foundation and carbonated lemon drops. That was one of her best. Because <laughs> she created a plastic explosive and desecrated Lennon's <laughs> tomb. Do you have anything else for Daphne in this episode? Oh, I said that was my last note. Okay, then. So, no. Then let's move on to Shaggy and Scooby. My first note here being that Scooby spits peanuts into Shaggy's mouth. Yeah. To because prove that they're the best of buds. Only best buds can do this. Yep. <laughs> I, I guess I don't have a best bud then, because I, I wouldn't accept that. I know, and me and my buds get together. It's just all spitting in each other's mouths. Can't stop us. A lot of these notes I have here are about food. Uh, the donuts in the antique shop. Yeah. You, you pointed this out as we watched it. Why the hell are there donuts in the antique shop? Enough that it seems like a presentation that someone is selling, but there's only one woman in the shop. 
So it makes it, she's just eating six donuts. Yeah, narratively, it kind of seems like she put those donuts out there for herself, maybe to snack on throughout the day, left the room for a moment, came back to this white kid and his dog just going to town on them. And she was already mad about something else, so. (laughs) Well, and on top of this, it's not even just like a plain, regular donut. It was like a nice eclair. Yeah. How hard it is to get a nice eclair? I'd be pissed too. And then there, there's the pyramid-shaped sandwich that Scooby eats, still in the antique shop. But when they're breaking in uh, after that first trip, he's like, look over here. And they shine a light on him, and he has this pyramid-shaped sandwich. He quickly eats it, then he's just like, Ooh, move along, move along. <laughs> I don't understand. I get why they wanted to do the pyramid-shaped sandwich. That's funny. From a production standpoint, I don't know what Scooby was doing, calling them over and then dismissing them. Scooby saying move along was one of the biggest laughs I got in this episode. He wanted the immediate tension, not the uh, expectations that came afterwards. Like the other day when you were busy at work and I called your attention over (laughs) (laughs) So that we could do the what chicken butt routine. (laughs) But I was busy uh, to the point where I put up a finger for a moment and made you wait. And then I was like, yes, what was it? And you didn't want to say at all. Because at that point, you were like, I know I only have what chicken butt in my back pocket. But it's for like the first time ever in a relationship. I'm like, no time. You need to wait. (laughs) He's never told me to wait before. No, never. God, working from home has changed. (laughs) I love that, by the way. That was like the highlight of my day. You, you very embarrassed looking, just having to say, chicken butt. (laughs) Uh, I'm 29. (laughs) (laughs) Amelia's crying right now, everybody. I am, I'm weeping. (laughs) Tears of joy at my own delight. Oh, it was so good. A note here that uh, the monster points in Scooby's general direction when he says that, like, and you're gonna get it worse, and Scooby's just like, me? And then he said, no, her, and points to Velma's mother, and Scooby's very relieved. Well, he's he, he's been fucked with a lot in this season. He was told the dog's gonna die. Uh, he's essentially been told this heart of the Jaguar mission is entirely on you. So I think he was right to assume that he was going to be the one who was going to get it here. But no, it is, uh, it's Velma's mom who's going who's gonna to get it, got to get it, put it in you. Pretty much the gist of it. Okay. <laughs> yes, Billy, this episode is about boning. <laughs> Jeez, get over it. My last note for uh, Scooby, and conversely Shaggy, because Shaggy does fuck all in this series, really, if we're being honest. <laughs> Scooby could have at least taken that spear from that skeleton respectfully. Instead of yanking off the wrists? He didn't have to yank its arms out of its long, dried-out shoulders. 
and watch it crumble to dust. He could have taken it, like, vertically, right? Could have maybe... Slipped it out of those hands. Without any muscles, the fingers aren't going to be tight on that shaft. Just like... Shut your damn mouth. Shit. Thinking about shaft again. (laughs) Always thinking about shaft. He could have just shaken it out of its skeleton fingers. And moved on with his life. How do skeleton hands even stay together without anything on top of them? Well, they crumbled, like, as if you look. Yeah, but if you just open a person's actual coffin that's been dead for, like, a hundred years. Yeah. Are their finger bones just, like, totally unattached and sprawled all over the place? Could be. Would there not be any bones clutched to that spear in the first place? What I do assume is that there is some form of... Either mummification or while while the flesh has rotted, it's rotted into like a form of glue to help adhere the bones to each other. They'd be damp bones. High humidity. Yes, Billy. It is very <laughs> rainy and humid in the rainforest. My last note for these two is that their whole reason for going down to the Yucatan is because, A, yes, they are looking for this spear the heart of the jaguar, but they're also looking for a missing professor. And Scooby-Doo completely forgets that second part. And he cops to it. He's like, oh, I completely forgot about him. They were just going to leave that man to die. Yeah, they're assholes. I don't know how often I have to say this. This show should be called Fred! Exclamation point. Well, here he is. Let's, let's do his category. Because nothing could fake his love for traps. And Daphne. He's getting better at reading the room. He's getting better at remembering to say Daphne. Getting better at reading the room because Daphne's a little perturbed when he says traps. And then yep. he's just like, adds his quick amendment. And she's all over him again. He, you know, he, exactly. And it's a good episode to be all over him because, as we've said, uh, shirtless in multiple scenes. He's got great core strength during this chopping plants bit where oh. he's suspended via his limbs. And he cuts off like two of them, and he's just, like, solidly held in place by his own abs, I assume. He's holding himself up vertically by his ankles. (laughs) Like, that is some fucking... And then, add to that, he has a sword in his hand, and he's slashing at vines. I think it's more of a machete to go with that jungle theme. I agree, but he did call it a sword. Like, Scooby, pass me that sword. Ah, That's what he said. Misidentification. He also wears a life jacket like a good boy. Keeps himself and his friends safe. Do you say that? Like, are you directing that at me? Because I refuse to wear a life jacket in a canoe at your cottage lake. It's called Little Lake, Billy. I don't think I'm going to die in Little Lake. (laughs) I, I really don't think about how much you do or don't wear a life jacket on a daily basis. I'm mostly looking at you because we're the only people, I assume in the world... Uh, based on how many people I've seen lately. Don't know why we're still podcasting. Yeah, we're the last two people on Earth, and we're podcasting, and you're still fucking judging me. I'm not. Oh, it's it's Canadian law. You have to wear a life jacket. Who's policing it? I what no I, okay. cops on so, every lake in Canada? What I was just trying to say here with Fred is that you know, they have to be animated into life jackets. Well, this is a children's show, Billy. I agree. But we're getting to see the two sides of Fred that Daphne likes, which is, you know, 
hot shirtless guy hacking at vines with a sword, but also that charming pure boy who wears a life jacket who says Mrs. Velma's mom when talking to Mrs. Dinkley. He drops it down to just calling her Velma's mom at the end, though. Their friendship is growing. I was going to say he lost his respect for her. I see it as a casualness. Friendship. We also learned something about Fred in this episode. That he has been taking Dr. Rick Spartan's online adventure university courses. And he needs to stop because it feels like that's a scam. These are not accredited credits. Trump University all over again. How much are you paying for this course? We also learn about Fred that uh, the phrase, this is the life, is what he will say while he is drifting slowly down a bug-infested, totally dark and creepy river in the middle of the Yucatan Peninsula with no help incoming should he fall into dire circumstances. Well, you know what? They also don't have any food or camping supplies. I feel like (laughs) this is what Fred fantasizes about. They've, in Mystery Incorporated, you know, they're younger, they stay close to their hometown, and yet Fred dreams of these... Uh, traps and adventures and he's so in his element in this episode he saves their life countless times in this pyramid by knowing all of these classic trap tropes it's just a rehashing of the darrow mansion though yes he's already saved their lives countless times with his trap knowledge but this time it's it's i feel like you know he's he's going into an actual mayan temple that feels like an exact situation he read about like, it's just, this is a childhood fantasy, not just, like, a a test of skill. It's both. Also, how cute was his little tongue when he was, like, tasting that corpse? <laughs> yeah, he uh, detects... He's l- laughing it right up like a kitty cat. He detects some traps by both sniffing the ground and then later licking a skeleton. <laughs> He's gonna grind that baby up, put it in tea, mm-mm. It's going to help his, with his vitality, that's for damn sure. <laughs> Natural he really, aphrodisiac. He really attests to that Victorian way of life. He does. Just grind up a mummy and put it in your shit. Who cares? Last note for Fred is that he gets spit on twice by an <laughs> indignant Mexican woman, and I don't feel he deserves that, and you should stop. I, he doesn't react very much. He's like, mm, not my fight to get into. <laughs> He does. He's pretty disgusted to have been spit on twice. Yeah, but he's not like getting up in her face like, listen, lady, stop spitting on me. But he would have had every right to, is <laughs> yeah. what I am saying. This is not all the Karens and Kevins in the United States going into grocery stores and refusing to wear masks and then yelling about it. If he were to yell about someone spitting on him unjustly, I'm with him. I would defend him. Right, if I got spit on in public right now especially, I'd be very upset. More in a crying way, but... Our last major character, the Velma Vision. Velma is very much our star character of the episode. Uh, No, Velma's mother is the star (laughs) character of the episode. Well, our star main kid, like, of our main five. She is the, he is the lead. Well, sure, only because she's related to Angie. Yeah, but it's, I feel like they're trying to tell a story about Velma through Angie. Maybe a little bit. What, by having her constantly doubt her physical attractiveness in the face of her mother's wild, whorish days? And... I mean, that's part of it, because, like, let's cut to the chase. 
Velma's mom went down to the Yucatan to party when she was young, apparently. But Velma here, instead at this age, is enlisting her mother's help in finding the heart of the jaguar. Mm -hmm. Because the episode opens with an associate of hers in the jungle. And uh, Velma and her mom are sitting at their coffee shop slash museum. Obviously, having been filled in on everything that's happening around town. Mm -hmm. her, her mother was considered very attractive in the Yucatan. And when Velma sees a young picture of her mother, she's so confused because she's like, I don't get it. You look just like me. Well, Velma, Velma, it's because you are beautiful. You just don't know it. Here's the thing. You've got terrible hair. Style your hair <laughs> differently. Maybe don't wear stinky wool sweaters. <laughs> We're a few decades out of date with that fashion, but we can work on it. We can work on this. You got good bones. I uh, I think there, there was a great Velma scene. They go to that antique shop and she sees a spot on the wall where it's kind of clear a map was put up and she sees these indents on the wall. And she puts some like small little cocktail flags in those spots. Cocktail flags? Yeah. I've never known a cocktail to come with a flag. Well, you've never had a cocktail claimed to the name of England. She, that was a dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she puts those like flags on the wall and presses the map through it to see where like the push pins would have been put in the map. I thought that was some really fucking clever mystery solving. It's a step above like doing a pencil over a notepad to see what the last yeah. written thing is. But it, I've, I feel like I've seen, this is the first time I'm seeing this, so it's blowing my mind. Velma gets to end this episode with a heart-to-heart -heart with her mother about the supernatural because she's still in the midst of an existential crisis. Mm -hmm. But her mother says, oh, it has nothing to do with the supernatural or the rational. Just believe in yourself. Which is the most bullshittiest mom answer I've <laughs> ever heard. It's pretty mom. Ah, it's either ghosts or it's not ghosts, okay? <laughs> I think... To give her the benefit of the doubt, I think what she was saying is, like, Velma, you can solve this mystery no matter what it is. Like, no matter what this, the origin or the source of this mystery is, you're going to use that damn mind of yours, and you are going to crack it. So don't worry about what it is right now. Just focus on solving it. And that's why you're going to be a good, good mother. mother. Thank you. Not with me, though. <laughs> Oh, uh, Velma also is taking classes. She took a course in long yes, dead they're, languages. They're all high school students. They're all high school students. students. <laughs> but specifically, I just thought it was interesting uh, because we learned that Fred is taking those online adventuring courses. Velma is taking a course in long dead languages at the Crystal Cove Learning Annex. And that does feel accredited. That feels like those are courses that are going to count. I think Fred's just playing Flash games. <laughs> Like, it's called Online University, but you go to it and it's just, like, a low-rent Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, I think that's what Fred's doing. Fuck yeah. Of major minor mentions, a surprise inclusion this week is the mayor mandate. Yeah. Uh... I don't think she's spoken in dozens of episodes. But she is here as a... A deus ex machina. <laughs> yeah, she puts an old army buddy tracker on their asses and then follows them to Mexico because she had a dream that told her to. A nightmare. 
feel it's important to say it's a nightmare. She was doing this out of fear. Why would you listen to a nightmare? I think it would, just, it would, it would stick with you more. It's the difference between a prod and, like, a stab. You do this. You're not going to get much done after someone stabbed you, Billy. You're going you're gonna to listen to what they have to say. Yeah, uh, so essentially, she is here so that they can smuggle this staff out of the country and back to the United States. Yeah. Because I, I feel like whoever was in the writer's room and was like, look, I love all this. One problem. How are they going to get it through customs? Claim that it's a tacky souvenir? There's, you, I feel, you don't need to explain it. These kids do wacky shit all the time. Getting a staff through customs wasn't my big question of the episode. Uh, not featured, but I want to ask. The Pericles position. What the fuck is he doing while these kids are doing this trek through the jungle? It is at least five days that they are out there, because yeah. that's how long Velma's mom says that she's been wearing her girdle. And he has the entirety of the planospheric disc. He has exactly what he needs to get shit done. The kids are nowhere to be found. Is he just sitting on his tail feathers? Doing nothing? He's, I mean, maybe the planospheric disc takes a while. Like, whatever he's doing to it, it needs, he needs to twist and turn. That's a little steampunk clockworky ways. I don't know. I know in our true minor mentions. I think, I think the mayor should have shown up in Mexico being like, yes, I had a nightmare that said I should come to Mexico and I trusted that nightmare because the sun hasn't risen in Crystal Cove in a couple days. Ooh, fuck. That would have been good. Like, I feel like at this point, like, I want them it, to return to Crystal Cove with Crystal Cove having changed. Make it that Crystal Cove, yeah, that evil entity is uh, slightly more free than it was before, and here's how it's affecting this one spot, and mm -hmm. it will soon spread across the world. Yeah. Hey, kids, why the hell did you go to the Yucatan? Shit's falling apart back here. I just don't want to start the next three episodes where I'm pretty sure Pericles is, you know, going to be all up in their grill of him just having not done anything while yeah, the kids you weren't wanna, in his way. You want to skip a few of those steps. Yeah. I get it. Minor mentions in this episode. We start off with Professor Enrique. Uh, he is an old flame of Velma's mom, Angie Dinkley. Yeah, it says that he has always loved her. Why does this woman get it so much? I don't know. My God. She had, like... Slow down, lady. They had a summer fling, and he has kept at it for... How many years, would you say? Because Angie was, like, Velma's age. Sixteen, she says. She spent a year abroad in the Yucatan at sixteen to be a flamenco dancer. I'd say it's at least... At least thirty-five years. I mean... Maybe 30 if she had Velma when she was 20, but yeah. I don't know. She seems like too wild a woman to... To have settled down that early. Settle down at 20. And, you know, both, both her and, she, and Enrique... Like, Enrique's gray now. Yeah. So you can't just play off that he's in his 30s. I mean, you could. But uh, We first see him. He's the first character that we meet. Uh, he's exploring that temple when he gets attacked by the vines of the jungle. The temple being the final resting place of the very first Mystery Inc. group. I don't know if we mentioned that. Yeah, so it makes sense for this to sort of be a cursed place. In his day job, he runs an antique store 
What's Mayan is yours, antiques. Classic pun. Sure. Kind of implies that you can just go into any Mayan site and take whatever you want. Well, I think that's what they're... I think they're trying to uh, tip the hat to uh, colonialist, colonialist thievery. You know. Sure. Can't... What's Mayan is yours. Just like it has been since the conquistadors. I guess. Yeah, tip your hat to that. Yeah. A knowing nod. And a cheeky roguish wink. <laughs> we know you're never gonna change, colonists. <laughs> you rascals. So come just fucking take it and <laughs> give me pennies on the dollar. <laughs> I'm just sitting here eating my donuts. Um... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, You've made him very embittered. I did. We he's see none of this in episode. He's not embittered at all. He's a, he's a kind man. Well. He's lovelorn. Yes. <laughs> Angie Dinkley, Thelma's mom. Just, it, oh my god, this woman dips into all her sordid affairs that she had with her daughter at the drop of a hat. It feels I like- I don't want to hear about <laughs> my motherfucking dudes. Why does Velma? This whole episode feels like Velma's mom's maybe on her second glass of wine. <laughs> Being like, hey, Vel, you know what I did when I was 16? Let's have a little girl talk. <laughs> you know what I did when I was 16? The whole of the Yucatan Peninsula. What? what? <laughs> um, I was going to say, it's cute that her mom says jinkies. I like that that's a family thing. That's just sweet, you know. I wanted to say something sweet before we just kept talking about her mom getting it on. <laughs> um. They are headed to Mexico, to the jungle, to rescue a man who has been engulfed by vines and dragged into a cursed temple. Why don't any of them dress appropriately? She ends this episode saying that she has been wearing the same girdle in the jungle for five days. And she needs to change her clothing. Why did you not pack for a jungle trek? Or at least not wear a girdle and a moo-moo to the jungle in the first place. Very breezy. <laughs> Let's the air She's flow. She's wearing, like, Victorian knickers, I believe <laughs> it. Like, Can't explain her fashion sense. With her big-ass Illuminati medallion still around her neck. Yeah. But still being practical, she's the one who, she sees a couple canisters. They are canisters of uh, CH3CO2. Pickling vinegar. And she knows that to be a pretty good uh, weed killer. Organic weed killer. Yeah. So after the first attack of the vines, she tells Fred to just grab them and let's go. Which leads to Fred, like, dual wielding these pickling juice canisters in a, again, very manly way. He has to carry them through the jungle in the heat. Not a word of question. No one asks what these canisters are before they get to the point where they're being used. And I feel like that is a bad idea. That's why he's our himbo. <laughs> he's just, yes, yes, Mrs. Velma's mom, I will carry these heavy canisters through the jungle. For no reason. <laughs> and where, Fred doesn't have his shirt on him at all during this jungle trek. Where did he leave it? At one point in he the He took track, it off to put on his life jacket. <laughs> At what point into the jungle trek did he decide to just ditch the shirt entirely? I think maybe he put on the life jacket with the shirt, but it, it didn't quite buckle. It didn't quite fit, so oh. he had to lose that. Like, so it's this... a thick wool shirt. <laughs> <laughs> C 
seems like maybe he needed more adjustable straps on his life jacket. He then. refuses to. He tried adjusting them. He fucked up one whole life jacket. Needed to get a wholly separate life jacket. But not of a different size. They only had one size there. <laughs> his only option was to lose the shirt. My next minor mention is Lieutenant Tomina Kasansky. Minor mention indeed. Uh, I already mentioned her with Mare Nettles. I wrote her down as Blonde Lady from Operation Nightmare. Uh, she she is a former Air Force colleague of Mare Nettles, and she's been brought in here to get the gang out. And last but not least is uh, Enrique's wife. Yeah, she is just the, not forlorn, what's the word I'm looking for? Pissed right the fuck off? Rightfully, though. Yeah. Like, rightfully pissed the fuck off. I'm on her side. Her husband has been obsessed very openly with this white woman that came through here like 35 years ago. Uh, she's obviously been living years uh, knowing that she's like the second choice, the woman that yeah. he'll never love as much as Angie Dinkley. And then Angie calls, and at the drop of the hat, he goes off into the jungle and disappears. And she's pissed right the fuck off about this. So I'm with her. I would get my plate of donuts, have myself a couple shots in the middle of the day. And then if I saw Angie in the flesh, fuck yeah, I'm taking that sword off the wall. And spitting was, on Fred? That was my man. Spitting on this innocent blonde boy? <laughs> she looks like she's had a hard life. She keeps, she keeps trying to please him. I, anyway, this, let's hope. She's she the is one... the former wife of Enrique by the end of this episode. She is the one that keeps spitting on Fred, though, so I can't be fully on her side. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't spit on Fred. Unless he was doing something mighty inappropriate. Yes. I We can add that caveat. I'm not, you know, if, if in the new series of Scooby-Doo, we just see him punching women in the face every episode, my no-spitting rule might change. Also really have questions for the showrunners. Who's the villain of this episode, Amelia? A priestess and vine, evil vines, magic vines, I, some sort of plant that wants to eat you. I would say, like, the, the, the jungle priestess is the villain, and she controls those vines. I, I hesitate to call those vines an homage to that horror story, The Ruins, where it is, like, evil plants because an homage needs to be like not just a straight ripoff I, I honestly <laughs> feel like someone read that book before penning this script and was like you know what I'm a genius <laughs> I mean it, it works you know it's she's a poison ivy type villain sort of I like the way that the blossoms on these vines have little mouths that was a nice visual as for the priestess herself she is actually Enrique. The red herring is Enrique's wife. Yeah. Because it's specifically going after Velma's mother. And you would think, oh, obviously, yeah. the, the bitter second choice wife. Or, like, okay, we have seen this blonde woman a couple times. Maybe it's her. Um, What lady could this be? But they trick you with that. I don't know if we've had that before. This is progressive for... What year is it? 2013? I think, uh... What about all the witches in the original series? It was never women. Wasn't it? Weren't the witches women? No. Oh. 
Okay, then this is as old as the hills. Then. The witch with the zombie looking for like the old armored car. That was yeah. a dude. Oh, oh, fuck me then. This is normal. Uh, why is Enrique? Why is Enrique being a priestess? Shits and giggles. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> he thinks that if he was kidnapped by a supernatural entity, he would lure Angie Dinkley back into his romantic, sensual clutches. And, uh, for a while he thinks it's working because she is here. And he does sort of have the priestess even singularly point her out. But then when they get to the temple and they're actually still just trying to find that spear... <laughs> the priestess switches and it's kind of like, oh, but don't you want to find Enrique? <laughs> Maybe? Is he important to you? <laughs> so, unfortunately, <laughs> your plan failed. His plan to bone Angie Dinkley once again. Uh, you know what? I feel like she might have done that under more truthful circumstances, because after the pool boy, I'm thinking Mr. and Mrs. Dinkley here are probably into some freaky swingers sex shit. Yeah, I mean, she says, like, there's only one man I've ever really loved, and it was Velma's father. But she doesn't go on to say, you know, I've only ever loved Velma's father. He's the only man that's given me the sexual freedom I've craved, as I feel that line was originally written. So yeah, not feasible, because it doesn't even work in episode. The fast-grow plants don't do it for me. That he can fast-grow all these plants to... They're growing so fast, it's like they're alive yeah, and trying no, to kill you? Like, they're not growing. There was some sentience there. His his fucking reasoning for this is he used to be a gardener. <laughs> a gardener's assistant! Not even a fully-fledged gardener! I want to point out that when you say fully-fledged, you always say fully-fledged. Never have you said fledged correctly on this podcast. I've, that time specifically, I did really notice. But each time, I kind of hope you don't notice, so. I've noticed every time. My god. Are my faults that visible? You can see them from the moon, honey. You can see them on audio. Uh, terror scale? I'm pretty neutral on this thing. Yeah, I wasn't really scared of this priestess. I was impressed at the ancient Mayan ruins that, not even ruins, fully functional Mayan architecture that Fred explores. Priestess, I am wildly indifferent about. As is everyone else. Uh, do we, I guess five? That's a middle, that's the exact middle. Yeah, I wrote down five for just some nice neutral ranking. I mean, it's, she's scary. Mm -hmm. She's just not scary within the context of this episode yeah and we're we're doing a lot of different things here and uh i'm sorry you just weren't a highlight our minds are on the bigger picture at this point do you have any other thoughts or feelings for the episode uh two of them first off they're on a plane and they eat peanuts which is a standard gag about planes mm-hmm I've been on a number of airplanes in my life. Never once have I been offered peanuts. Where did this joke come from? Jerry Seinfeld. He, you know, he said... What's Where did he you? get his peanuts? Uh, he's, he, what he doesn't realize is that he's a famous celebrity. So he gets peanuts wherever he wants them. It's not a universal experience. The 99% screwed over again. What's the deal with people coming up to you and wanting to take your picture? Uh -huh. 
bad Seinfeld tonight. <laughs> Second general thought or feeling. Why does the original Mystery Inc. team get this huge-ass temple to honor them in death? I, I kind of feel like if the newest Mystery Inc. is hated, kind of want all the other ones to have been hated, too. Like, like they always have mm, them be on the fringe. That they've Maybe they've risen up for a period, but they've always ended in shame. Like, ooh, what, yeah, what if this was like... Or if these ones were so beloved and these... These four here are now the direct reincarnations of them. Then if the first ones are beloved, then they should also be beloved. But all the pretenders to the throne up to this point should have been hated. I'm going to agree with both of your points, but reverse them. The original crew and this team that we've been following should be the ones that are kind of hated. But then all the imposters should be beloved in an inverse. That's a much more interesting point that you've brought up. I, I just wrote down that some of the music in this episode sounded kind of like Tomb Raider. Okay, I, I lied. I don't have two general thoughts feelings. I now have a third one. I wanted to point out that this episode's imagery shows that the Daphne analog of the original crew was the one that bears the spear. That was actually what I wrote down too, that she was originally the heart of the jaguar. Interesting, because I do also see Daphne as the heart of this group, so. Also, in the last episode, when we saw, like, the wall art, I'm pretty sure it was the Fred analog that had this spear. It's something they shared between them, seemingly. So yeah, that's just about it for Dark Knight of the Hunters. Would you consider this a Scooby-Doo or a Scooby-Don't? It's a Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's a nice Scooby-Doo. It's a good little story. Um, I like what they did of... Giving us a smaller villain and story right before the end, but still making it feel like it's part of a larger picture. Like, you didn't feel that they totally sidetracked. They're on a main quest for this spear. But we got, you know, a serviceable Scooby-Doo story in between. Coming up next is Gates of Gloom. Don't try and say anything clever, because I can see it on your face now. You're struggling, and you're not going to get there. Is there Pokemon named Gloom? Is that something? Oh my god. No, that's not something. Okay. There is one called Gloom. No one tell him that. If you would like to reach out to us, we can both be found easily on Twitter. I am at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia. And we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Dews. You can also find all our old episodes on our WordPress, our Tumblr, and a YouTube page all under Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. Uh, we are on Spotify, as confirmed by one of our listeners, because we posed that question and then mm -hmm. never checked ourselves. And I don't use Spotify. I'm old. <laughs> and on that note... That's it from Scooby-Doo-Be-Us. That's Scooby-Doo-Be-Us!